Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Today, Bridget Griffin shared a video of her daily yoga routine, two self-help articles, and her new blog called Build Your Inner Bridge with Bridge. Girl, your sharing has turned into oversharing. No worries, Bridge. Geico has some info worth sharing with your seven blog followers, like how you could save money on your car insurance, update your policy, and report a claim just by visiting geico.com. How's that for building your inner bridge? Bridge, Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Log Talk Radio. Welcome to Spiritual Insights with Charlotte Spicer. Spirituality and Metaphysics Talk Radio, featuring a course in miracles, dream interpretation, guided meditation, and the psychic and metaphysics free-for-all. It's your opportunity to consult with a professional psychic medium, discuss past lives, the chakras, and more. We are non-denominational, and there are no limits. Want to change your life? You must first change your mind. 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 No matter your religious structure, cultivate peace in your reality through self-awareness with an authentic spiritual teacher. And now, your host, Charlotte Spicer. Welcome to Spiritual Insights, everyone. No matter where... You are as you listen, and no matter when you tune into the show, we are honored to spend this time with you. My guest today is a luminous soul named Danielle Gibbons. Danielle has served as a full-body channel for Mother Mary since 1994. A full-body channel allows an entity or a, quote, ascended being inhabit their body to speak to human beings. With this gift, she has served and assisted people worldwide to connect with Mother's love and grace. Together, Mother Mary and Danielle inspire individuals to awaken and expand their consciousness through best-selling courses, life-changing retreats, radio appearances, and online events, as well as her new book, Mary's Pathway to Love, Building a Loving Relationship with Yourself That Will Transform Your Life. The book is a compilation of 12 teachings selected by Mother Mary. Its chapters assist the reader on a journey from darkness to the light of the deepest form of love, the unconditional love of self. Topics explored are the dark night of the soul, illusions, shadows, personal sabotages, faith, miracles, forgiveness, and spiritual growth and living. You can find more of her teachings at BelovedPublications.com. That is BelovedPublications.com. Beloved Publications is dedicated to sharing Mother Mary's grace with all who wish to receive it. So after some discussion and sharing from the book, later in the broadcast, Danielle will enter into an altered state to allow Mother Mary to speak through her and deliver a message of loving guidance directly to us. While you are listening, if you are in a safe place, not driving and not engaged in another activity, I will be asking you to close your eyes so that you can feel the power of her word and the strength of her love. I'm very excited to explore this with Danielle and present these profound teachings to all of you. Again, to learn more, and hear recorded teachings from Mother Mary, visit BelovedPublications.com. If you'd like to tune in to future live teachings with Mother, Danielle appears on Conscious Talk Radio with Brenda Michaels and Rob Spears on the second Friday of each month. To tune in, visit ConsciousTalk.net and look in the archives. Please join me in welcoming Danielle to the show. Hi, Danielle. Welcome to the Spiritual Insights family. Hey, Charlotte. Thanks so much for having me. What a gorgeous introduction. Thank you. 
Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So it's so it's so nice to finally uh, get to do this and offer this to the listeners. It's such a a beautiful gift, and I appreciate your time, your effort, and all that you're doing for humanity with your work with Mother Mary. I really appreciate it. You are so very welcome. I tell you, it just lights me up and fills my heart, and I I love doing it, really and truly love doing it. I know the feeling well. I really do. <laughs> and we've had we've, we've had similar experiences. I've been uh, channeling Jesus since 2001, and it can be interesting. It's not all rainbows and unicorns, and your experience was um, – was detailed perfectly in the book. And I want to uh, just start from the beginning. Basically, a lot of people are going to be wondering how you got chosen to do this. I'm sure there's a contract involved and what it was like when you first got started. Would you like to begin there? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just I I want to make very clear to your listeners that, um, you know, a lot of in the beginning, a lot people were under sort of an erroneous assumption that I was this person who had it together and that I was spiritually advanced and, um, you know, they were a bit shocked when they found out about my sort of messy rock and roll crazy self (laughs) that I was, you know, channeling Mother Mary. But the beautiful part of that for me is that, you know, she chose someone that represented that journey that one could take from self-loathing to self-love. Um, I was just in the beginning stages of recovering from a food addiction, and my spirituality was very new, uh, somewhat tentative. I was interested in everything and exploring all kinds of things. Um, and I found that I had... Um, an ease with meditation. You know, I'd, I'd heard a lot of people say meditation was a great way to find serenity and it was a great way to uh, find self-honesty. And both of those things were required if I was going to live free of my uh, eating disorder. So, you know, meditation was like the thing to do for me. And one day I was in this glorious meditation where I just felt like I was one with everything. You know how your body feels like it kind of dissolves and you're just, oh, you're just feeling like everything and nothing at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, Mother came to me in that moment and uh, and I know you have the same experience with Jesus. When, When I was first connected to her unconditional love, it was extraordinary. It was like nothing I'd ever felt before. Um, And that immediate love and acceptance and compassion, it was all just there in the moment. And Mother, she explained to me that we had an agreement in this life that I was to channel or to serve as one of her channels. And did I want to do that? And it was great because the way she presented it, the way it made me feel, it was twofold. One was I knew I could say no, and she would love me exactly and accept me exactly the same, that the love would not change or diminish because there was no condition set on this request, on this 
agreement. I was free to choose in the moment. Mm. And that went a long way for me in quieting my fears and doubts. And, and the other part of it is that it felt like I'd been waiting for this moment my whole life. Everything mm-hmm. inside me, big, giant, yes, you know, lit up with exclamation points. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. I was familiar a little bit with channeling, but not not the way I channel her now. I was not familiar with full-body channeling or trans-channeling. So I was saying yes, but I didn't know for sure what I was saying yes to, which is a good thing because I may not have said yes. <laughs> And I think they make that um, easy for us so that we don't have this moment of regret. Yes, yes, there's the choice of, will you do this for me? And, and you know, this it comes up from such a deep level, of course. Like, it is yeah. what, what I've hoped for all my life. And then when, when you get into all the motions of it, you think, um, I'm glad they, they made the question simple. And didn't and didn't exactly. give me a job description. There was no job description. It's just, will you help me? I need you. And and uh, yeah, I'll I'll do whatever you want. And then yeah. you know there comes a point where ten o'clock on a Wednesday night, you're told to get up, get dressed, and and go around to a bar. And I was like, why would I? Why would I want to do that? You know? And he says, you, I I I need you to help a sister. I was like, what now? Like in the snow? It's snowing out. So he says, I just need you to help a sister. And he told me who it was. And I said, mm. she's going to try, she's going to attempt suicide, isn't she? And he said, yeah, I can will you help her? It was someone I wasn't friends with anymore. And it, and it didn't, and the, the friendship ended not on a positive note. I said, of course I'll help her. You know, I love her. And um, yeah. so I got dressed and I walked through three blocks through a foot of snow and got there and, and he said, go to the back door. I went in and he said, now just stand behind her and open your heart, and she saw me, and she was like, hi, what are you doing here? I said, oh, I just felt like taking a walk, and she and she went back to her conversation, and he said, open your heart, and I did, and I felt something go in through the back, out the front, and into her, and she whipped her head around and said, what did you just do to me? I said, <laughs> I didn't do nothing. It wasn't me. She went, you did something. I said, it wasn't me, and, and she turned away, and I said, are we done here? He says, he says, yes, well done. You can go home now. I said, okay, thanks. And I went home and went to bed, but, but she survived, she survived the attempt and that was the important thing. So did you have, have you had goofy experiences where you were like, why are you asking me to do this? Because I know mother says I would never ask, demand anything of you or, you know, ask you to do something you wouldn't want to. Did you have an experience like that where um, you needed to do something on her behalf? Well, she never actually said she wouldn't ask me to do something I wouldn't want to because, I, I, in full disclosure, there are often things she asks me to do that I don't want to do um, because I'm afraid of, you know, what's on the other side of it. But she did say that she wouldn't ask me to do anything that she wouldn't ask of anyone else. Oh, so, okay. you know, basically mm-hmm. um, what she asks of us and of myself is to shift from living from the outside in, shift to living from the inside out. Mm. And, um, you know, that is, that's a, a long journey. And there are times when I just want to run the other way and she gives me so much room to kick and scream and drag my feet and 
pretend that I don't know what she's telling me, like I ignore her. <laughs> you know, it's it's my I'm a child. I'm a giant toddler when it comes to mother, you know? Just a giant toddler. <laughs> yeah. But she has over the years asked me um to show up when I didn't want to show up for other people, um, for the work that we do together. Uh and and I'm always glad that I do, Charlotte. You know, there there's always um that moment, like what happened to you in the bar, where something passes from me to another person, and I think, oh, that's that's why I'm here, or that's why this all these other things had to happen in order for me to be right here, right now, with this person mm-hmm. doing exactly what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I'm I'm grateful that she also provides a lot of validation along the way. Um, because uh, it, it keeps me, I might kick and scream and, and drag my feet, but I do it. You know, I, I show up because I know it's the right thing to do. Right, right. And and I'm sure that part of the purpose of all this is that it's, you can also experience yourself as you are and accept that. And 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 still you do. You you do put one foot in front of the other, and you do it, and you kind of leave those emotions to the side, and do you pick them up later and reconcile them or forgive them? What is, is there a process to it? I do. I have a pretty, you know, Mother is very practical in her teachings, and so she's given out a lot of uh, great uh, structures and processes along the way, and um you know, I always know that's the beauty of living this kind of life is no matter what happens, I know there's a solution. Just because I don't know what it is doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And so I have to sit down, get at my altar, get quiet, do my reading, my journaling, my meditating, you know, whatever it is that gets me quiet and centered in myself not so much so that I can hear verbal information. Mother and I communicate more through feeling. And, you know, ultimately every time I do that, I'm, I'm finding my authentic self. You know, I'm, I'm discovering the Danielle that exists that isn't bound by the rules of society I grew up with or the religious influences or the, even the moral influences. I'm discovering all those things for myself, but I can only discover those inside of me. Mm-hmm. And the only way I can know what's happening inside of me is if I take the time and make the space to um, you know, sit down and explore that, to consciously explore that for myself. Mm. And it's almost like a, an, in a spiritual sense, cleaning house, looking at misperceptions, uh, unconscious beliefs, fears, attachments, yep. you know, all that, we, all that we teach here and, and change from the inside out. And um, you did, you do mention in the book, I believe, or I've, I've listened to a couple of your interviews on other shows, uh, especially Brenda and Rob. They're such nice people. Um, they you are. Mentioned they're wonderful. Uh, you mentioned that this is not an exclusive relationship, your relationship with Mother Mary, that anyone can develop an intimate relationship with her if they seek it. Can you tell us how we can do that? 
Absolutely, absolutely. And I and let me just say that if you do, oh my gosh, it's extraordinary. It is just extraordinary. And the way she always encourages people to start out <laughs> is making friends with her. She says, you know, just chat with me. And when you're making your bed and taking your shower and brushing your teeth, you know, invite me to tea. When you sit down to meditate, invite her in and just you don't have to make it a formal something, but just when you sit down and get quiet, just take a deep breath and invite her in and say, you know, I'm I'm opening, I'm making space for you, Mother Mary, in, in my life, in this moment, in this time together. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be a permanent thing, but I want to explore you and your energy, you know, and whether we resonate well together. It's It's a very... She likes for people to keep it very simple and um, to try not to have expectations of how she's supposed to behave. Like, don't put her in a box. That's usually the best way that she can work with you is uh, if you allow her to be who and what she is. Um, And that way she can serve you much better. Um, and it's extraordinary, extraordinary. First, how easy it is to establish a relationship with her, and then um, second, how powerful that feels for most people right away, right away. Mm. Well, I think it's comforting to know that if, if one chooses to make friends and develop a relationship with her, that uh, like you experienced, um, she gives you plenty of room to rebel uh, in, yep. in whatever way you react to something that is said or a situation in your life, and that you can be secure in the knowledge that she will always be there. She will not abandon you. You know, never, never once. And I always abandon her, um, but she never abandons me, and I can always feel that in my heart, you know, if I just take, even in, in, in my craziest, darkest moments, if I just took a second and felt her or opened myself to feeling her, she was always there every single time. Yeah. Um, and it was, and that was hard, you know, to Charlotte to admit that I was the one abandoning her, that if I couldn't feel her, it wasn't because she had left me. It was because I had left her. I yeah. had, uh, chosen uh, fear over faith, you know, and, but she would always, if I couldn't feel her, she would always give me a way back through something another person said or love they gave me or support they gave me or something I read or, I mean, there were always so many uh, road signs, you know, back to her uh, and that she provided endlessly, Yeah, endlessly. To the point well, where if I wanted mm. to ignore her, I had to do it consciously. I couldn't do it unconsciously anymore. Did, mm. Do you know what I mean? I do. <laughs> I, I, you have to put, like, the earmuffs on and put the blindfold on. And, That's right. And That's start right. singing, I'm not listening, I don't care. I'm not listening, I That's don't care. Right. That's right. And, and they, they find ways around your ego. Well, in my case, you know, he finds a way around my ego to get the message across. And I'm like, oh. Okay, that wasn't as bad as I thought. Sorry. Uh, moving on. But, right. but what's interesting about Mother Mary for me, you know, and, and I, I 
would like to think I've had a relationship with her all my life. I went to Catholic school for three years and I was fascinated by her. And like mm. you, you say in the book, you would take a, a morning run and you would end up at this chapel and you would sit at the altar and you would just sit with her. Yeah. And I found myself doing that in maybe second or third grade. And there was oh. a statue of her and there's, and the depictions, even though it's a, a, a human's idea of what she might look like, look like, those statues always emanate a certain energy. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just loved, I just felt love in my heart for her. Mary Magdalene as well. I felt very connected to, and I didn't believe yeah. what was being said about her at all, at all. I, I just, and I, and I would say out loud, I, I don't believe that. And I would be sent to the mother superior. My listeners have heard me say, tell different little stories about getting in trouble in Catholic school for answering questions that kind of ripped their <laughs> mask off or, or they couldn't answer. And then, yeah, I got into an argument with one nun. Uh, I said, what are the steps to forgiveness? She said, there are no steps. You just forgive. I said, no, there's got to be steps. And I think there's three. <laughs> yeah. I want to know the steps. No, there aren't. I said, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but anyway, I would I would look at her and I would have this feeling that I missed her. Not not that I was yeah. in awe of her or, fa- you know, just not just a sense of fascination, but it felt like I missed being home, like I missed her. And, and mm. I can now put those feelings into words, but that's how I felt as a kid. And, and you know that thing where when we, um, it's, it's like 101, we take our feelings about our parents and we transfer those on to God, um, in yeah. particular our, our fathers. And I had done that. So it was, it was very lonely because I had turned my back. And, I, you know, I teach A Course in Miracles, and the Course states that God would never abandon you. You must do that first. And right. then there's, there's that guilt that we experience at, at having tried to disconnect. But a lot of us have uh, different experiences with our birth mothers, with our, our moms, I'll say. Mm-hmm. And it can be complicated relationships. It can be dramatic. It can be abusive. It can be so many, you know, things that we experience with mom. But when I hear Mother Mary's voice, I feel that commitment to me, that love, that acceptance. And it's, I have to admit, it's kind of new to me that mm-hmm. almost like I feel like I finally have parents. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, it does. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, I think a, a lot of people are gravitating towards back to um, – Entities that are uh, aspects of Divine Mother or Eternal Father, you know, that, that masculine, feminine, uh, whatever they need, whatever's most predominant in their needs, um, I think they're gravitating back towards that uh, because they're realizing that need for uh, parents or loving parents or parents who are very forgiving and uh, parents who are not quite so critical maybe as the parents they had. And, and uh, I think the, the aspects of divine mother and father certainly fill uh, a space inside of us that uh, for many people have been very empty. Yes, I agree. And um, I want to I talk about the book um, and to kind of describe yeah. it for the listeners, uh, Mother Mary describes the pathway to love as a workbook to find the truth within. And she begins with the dark night of the soul, big topic for me, um, because yeah. it's here that we often begin our spiritual journey. And yeah. in the first chapter, in 
the dark note of the soul in the first chapter mother states we begin here let me go to it we begin here as so many of you already have and then we will move into the rest of the teachings in an order that is designed to help you build a foundation for your life that can withstand anything Danielle, do you feel you've achieved that level of trust and stability that you can withstand anything? Because I know you've had some pretty tragic events in your life. I do. And, you know, because my relationship with Mother is built on my faith. Um, and ultimately, no matter what happens, I feel that I'm going to be okay, that it's going to be okay, even if I don't know what it is. There's a feeling of, um, you know, space for me to fall apart, for my life to feel like it's shattered, for me to be angry, um, tr- you know, sad, to be depressed about whatever's happened. You know, all that now feels natural to me. It's not mm-hmm. that I've done something wrong or that I'm broken or that, um, you know, these feelings are uh, – getting in the way of my joy, 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 you know, now these are just natural parts of life. So, you know, accepting that life is happening naturally and organically, I'm not the victim, you know, no one's trying to wreck my life, Uh, no one's out to get me, and there's this feeling that no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay, and even if I don't live even if that means my death. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Like it just, it, it's, these are all natural cycles and parts of life. And, and the, I tell you for me, Charlotte, at, as a recovering, you know, compulsive, obsessive person, the, one of the greatest, greatest gifts that Mother's teachings and her presence and her love have given me is that knowing that, um, Whatever is happening in my life, it's it's okay. And I don't need to establish a reason anymore so much. It's like if something happens, well, why did this happen? What have I done wrong? And what do I need to change? That has all really fallen away for the most part. I, I'm not desperate to change myself anymore because I don't feel like I need changing. I'm evolving you know, I'm I'm waking up more to myself, not you know, and it's not this desperate need because I feel broken, but just that waking up is is what I chose in this life. It's just mm-hmm. the organic process of my life. Yeah. And there are times when it's not easy and very difficult and it takes me down roads that I think, Oh my god, this is awful. I'm never gonna survive this and of course I do. Um, and it also takes me down roads that are immediately wonderful and happy and, you know, where the growth is obvious. And, you know, so just because I can't see the awakening in the moment doesn't mean it isn't happening. And it doesn't mean that I have to justify it and explain it to the nth degree and figure it all out. That is a, and, and just not having that burden anymore, not carrying that burden of having to figure everything out. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's huge for me. It's huge. It, well, it, it was huge for me, too, and I'm, I'm sure if everyone were to embark on this journey with her or, or whomever they want to um, yep. be guided by, um, 
I like how you say, you know, that the evolution of, of the self as opposed to trying to fix something about yourself after you've judged it. Yeah. And then just yeah. trying to modify it for different results. That's not solving any problems. That's not fixing the mind. It's not shining light on anything. It's basically a modification of the structure. Yeah. But then when you, you grow into into your future self, then you can turn around and look back and, and see how you've grown. That's where you start to see yeah. the difference. It's a rare occurrence to notice in the moment, like, wow, I just shifted in a huge way or grew in a huge way. It usually takes mo- a time for the mind to recognize the expanse of that or um, yes. how profound that is. Some things are more profound than others. I consider any step of growth a miracle. I so, do too. Even the yeah. tiniest, tiniest shift. I agree 100%. Yep. All and miracles. cause for celebration. <laughs> cause Absolute. for big celebration. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I want to I tell everybody how, you know, when I first started reading the book, it got me at the first paragraph. And it wasn't like I was reading something. It was more of an experience. And yeah. I know we've uh, selected a profound section on trust uh, that I've asked you to read aloud. Uh, but first, do you mind if I read a little from the introduction and explain how profound this experience was for me? No, please. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Um, cause you, okay, so here's the part, ladies and gentlemen. If you're in a safe place, if you could close your eyes. And I'm just going to read a couple paragraphs, and you'll feel this. Now, what what I experience was as I, as soon as I started reading the first paragraph, I felt all this energy hitting me in waves. And when I listened to your interview with um, Brenda and Rob, I said, you know what, let me close my eyes and put my head down. And as I did, I felt waves of energy washing over me and, and with such love. And, and then when I got to the second paragraph, I had to laugh. So it says in the introduction, my beloved children, How wonderful that you have found your way to this book. I have placed within it my wisdom, my grace, and my love for each and every one of you. This book contains my experience in moving into the heart of love. It will help you to make love the center of your life so that all you do will come from love, will move through love, and will create more love in your life and world. And I was like, oh my God, so much strong energy. And then the second paragraph states, The energy I have placed within these words will move you from reading them to experiencing them. I encourage you to use this as a workbook. I know, isn't that funny? (laughs) Feel your way through it. Feel the rightness before you take an action. Don't do anything just because it is written. Find the truth within yourself and then act. Answer the questions that I pose. Take the, the actions that I suggest and do the meditations that are contained within. Each step of the way, I will be with you, holding your hand, supporting you, and cheering you on. There is so much love within you and all around you. You do not have to create it, my beloved ones. You only have to awaken to its presence. I am giving you the way to do that. And then I will, I'll, I'll leave the last paragraph as a surprise for when people get the book. This is an experience. She is, like Danielle says, very practical, down to earth. I sometimes am startled by the use of modern vernacular when getting a message, when sometimes it can come through rather biblically. But then when they start talking about what we're experiencing now with computers and electronics and different scenarios. But she also has a sense of humor. Um, in the chapter on forgiveness on page 108, she's speaking on the subject of judgment. And she says, as humans, you enjoy being right. This is where your tendency towards self-righteousness comes from, the desire to be right rather than happy. You will pursue rightness to the gates of hell and back, waving a banner the whole way. 
<laughs> that helps. That helps disarm me, and and it makes me relax, yeah. and it makes me trust in yeah. one of them. Did you have the same experience with that? Absolutely. I, I've I've always that's always been my experience with her. Her humor is so great, and it comes out really so much, uh, particularly in the workshops when uh, she's you know we're channeling for like two days straight practically, and. Uh, so much humor and love, you know, comes through, and and I'm I'm always so grateful for that because I don't know about you, Charlotte, but humor is a a saving grace for me. Yes, for me too, um, in yeah. many ways. Uh, you know yeah. what? Since you you mentioned workshops, why don't we get you to tell us about all your uh, workshops and other events that you do, and then we'll move on to the reading, and then we'll move on to bringing Mary through. Does that sound okay? Fantastic. That sounds awesome. So we do a okay. lot of things together. I have a pretty, um, I have a YouTube channel with a lot of free videos of, uh, of Mother and a couple of me reading from our new book. And um, that is a great resource. Uh, my website, I record all of her events. So um, all the single teachings which run anywhere from 60 to 70 minutes. Those are for sale on my website and all the workshops we've ever done for, well, not ever, but for a long time, many years, uh, at least over 10 years, we've been recording things. So there's um, full workshops, there's smaller teachings, there's free little meditations, there's, you know, meditations, there's all kinds of things. There's an online course called... um, let go and empower your life, which I have to tell you, rocks. It is so oh. awesome. It's an audio course, and oh my gosh, I still use it. I'm still I took it as a participant as well. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And uh, okay. I'm still using it. I still have my letting go journal on my altar, and I'm still using the techniques, and it is so fantastic. Um, we have a best-selling course on Daily Ohm, Falling in Love with Yourself, dailyohm.com, and another course on there that I also love, um, Transforming Fear into Love, and that's, uh, that's on there as well, on Daily Ohm. And Daily Ohm's great because you can pay what you want. You could pay, a, you know, they have a suggested price of twenty nine ninety nine, I think, for the course, for their, all their courses. But you can pay whatever you want. I noticed you that. Can't, you can't own it. You can only access it through, you know, the daily, your daily own uh, portal on the website. But it's, you know, I mean, gosh, you could have this extraordinary wisdom for like a dollar or five dollars, whatever. So... Uh, that's been falling in love with yourself. It's been a huge one of their all-time bestsellers. It's a, it's an awesome course, um, and yeah. And then of course all the information on how to buy the book on Amazon, and uh, you can buy the ebook uh, for Kindle, uh, Barnes and Noble, iTunes, Kobo, you know all the other um, the other uh, not as well known. Uh, sites that you might uh, be involved with, but the print book is only available through Amazon.com. Okay. And just to give everyone a sense, it's not a huge book. You're not taking a big chunk of your life and and no. having to do a lot of hard work. The book is only 287 pages, and that includes, you know, all the all the extra pages. So it's not a, a daunting. Is it your experience, Danielle, that someone can sit with a specific chapter for a little longer? And before they move on to the next? Absolutely. And that's actually recommended. 
I, I recommend people read it at their own pace and, you know, and just close it and let it digest for a little while, pick it back up or read it all the way through. You know, read it in a way that feels right for you. And it's also one of those great books where you can just open it to any page. <laughs> you know, it's one of those books too. And get the answer you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I tried in, in my memoir pieces, I wrote 12 of them in answer to her teachings. You know, I tried to bring my own experience and uh, strength and hope to uh, to each chapter um, in relation to her teaching uh, because for me, you know, I'm not just the channel. I I am using her teachings to change my own life. And, well, not, and I'm using the word change, and we just talked about the, you know, not change, but to awaken my own life and, and um, find the love that I know is inside of me and that I want to live more fully. You know, I'm really drawn to that as well. Well, you accomplished what you set out to because your sections of the book are equally as uh, riveting and uh, your honesty is refreshing. And I, I, I got the sense throughout that, you know, while I read what the, the events that you're describing and you feel like compassion for you, at the same time, I know you're okay. And, yes. and so oh, it, I get to I'm take so that journey that with you. I'm mm-hmm. so glad that came across. Thank you for telling me that. That's it comes across loud and, loud and clear because you're coming from such a place of clarity. You're a wonderful writer, but the, oh, the feeling you. that I got was that I, I could feel the love. I can feel the the expansion. There it is. I could feel your expansion as you describe what happened yesteryear, mm-hmm. you know? So, good, good, good. All right. Now, with regard to your um, workshops and events, um, I'm so glad you have an online course that makes it very accessible worldwide. But with regard to your workshops and events, do you travel around the country, or do we have to buy a plane ticket and come come see you? <laughs> well, I do travel, for sure. Um, but, of course, you might still have to buy a plane ticket. Uh, I am going to be doing a one-day workshop in uh, northern in Tracy, California, um, and that is August Sunday, August 7th. And you can go to my website, to belovedpublications.com, and click on the events and classes uh, page, and it will have the information. And then, oh, my favorite yearly thing, we're doing um, a retreat in Dahlonega, Georgia, which is about an hour and a half north of Atlanta. And it's in the North Georgia mountains. And oh. it's this gorgeous yoga resort and I'm doing a retreat October 27th through the 30th um, and it last year it was just fabulous Charlotte really fantastic and you know when you get four days with mother outside of your busy life and the food was fantastic the accommodations were beautiful I mean it was just a fantastic place um, so it's uh, it's exciting. We have people coming from Canada and uh, all over. So uh, that's more in your neck of the woods, uh, kind of. Yes, it is. <laughs> in the southeast. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> that sounds wonderful. Okay. Well, we selected uh, something that you want to read. It's a bit. Of, it's a little long, but again, ladies and gentlemen, if you would close your eyes. So you're going to read from the bottom of uh, page 76, Danielle. Yes. Um, it's, uh, I, I, we talked about uh, reading from the, tra- the chapter on trust, entitled yeah. Trust. 
Mm-hmm. And we were talking about mothers, I think, very unique perspective. Um, people often struggle with trust because they look at the issue of trust outside of themselves, trusting other people, trusting situations, you know, having a hard time trusting life in general. And mm. she flips that around. Um, and so this is what she says uh, um, about that. Okay. <clears throat> you have to be trustworthy. You, not anyone else. You. If you cannot be honest with yourself, and I mean deeply honest, please don't expect others to be so. That is unfair because you're asking something of someone else that you cannot give yourself. Instead of focusing your trust on others or outside events, just let that go for a time and really, really just focus on yourself. Ask yourself, am I following through on the things that I'm talking about? If I say I'm going to do something and then I don't, what do I do about it? Do I go back and make amends and try to take care of it? Or do I just conveniently sweep it under the table and pretend it never happened? Go deep within and ask, do I lie to myself? If the answer is yes, then you are violating your own trust. If you struggle with trust issues, it is because you don't trust yourself. If you cannot trust yourself, you will not trust others and you will not trust life. You will not trust that the universe is there holding you no matter how many times you are in certain types of relationships or how many times you change jobs or how or make any other changes that might look similar to past changes you've made. In a broader sense, try not to focus on your fear of trust. Try to take each situation as new. Try to look at each relationship as new. You learn from the past, but do not apply the past to the present. It will not fit. Each experience that you have is unique. If you try to define something in the present according to what happened to you in the past, you will miss what you're in right now. Trust is really not an accumulation of facts and figures that have to go in a certain way. Trust is a feeling, not an emotion. The feeling tells you that you are on firm ground, standing on a foundation. Even if the house isn't built and you don't know how it's going to turn out and you have no idea where you're going, you still feel grounded and that there is a solidness to what you're doing or what you're participating in. That is trust. Let that be your guide. It's very simple. Learn from the past, but leave the past in the past. This is especially true for your issues around trust. For the majority of you, it's impossible to know what's around the corner. That's life. It's impossible for you to predict with any great accuracy exactly what is going to occur tomorrow or next week, next year, or 10 years from now. You do not know completely all the experiences that your soul desires for you to participate in. You can get lost in what your culture tells you that you should be doing. Or you can stand firm in the knowing that whatever you're doing is exactly what you're supposed to be doing as defined by no one but you. This is trust and what you hold on to. Hmm. You can feel the energy. Just Oh, I love it. I know. I know. I've I never can actually I can actually feel the strength of the words. Like I feel as if I'm being held right now. Yes. And I've never heard it explained quite that way. Mm-hmm. And you can and like you said you can feel the strength of it and you you can feel the certainty. There's such a certainty that this is the way of it and that to step outside of those 
parameters is where we, we get into trouble and we have that struggle with everything ourselves and everybody around us and our situations. And that says it all. And the best part is I can do something about that. You know, I, I can't do anything about other people's actions or their own untrustworthiness. I, I, can't, I can't do a thing about that. But I can, I can put effort into being trustworthy myself. I can put effort into learning the energy of trust and how to recognize it when it is present and right. try to help it grow. You know, that's something I can do something about. Uh, the rest, whatever's outside of me, however people are behaving or however situations are falling out, I, there's nothing I can do about that, you know? Right, right. I love Beyond your that control. That's right. And the whole book, she's offering solution, like real solution. You know, it, it's, it takes courage because you've got to go inside and you've got to feel what is there, and that's hard, that's daunting, but it's possible, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Facing ourselves is the hardest thing we'll ever do. But Mary, yeah. Mother Mary sets, sets it out in the book so simply and specifically with the questions you ask yourself. And maybe you'll need to do some journaling. That's the best way to get to the bottom of things and what's bothering you yeah. and what's holding you back. But then yeah. I did the meditations, and they only took the time it took me to read it and open my eyes. Um, do you have plans to record those meditation sections for people to listen to? They are recorded, and I gave them away as part of my pre-order campaign for the book. If people pre-ordered it, that was part of the giveaway, uh, okay. was all the, the, the audio meditations. But each one of these teachings, the audio, the whole audio teaching is for sale on my website. So, okay. you know, if someone was deeply interested in that, they could, they could have mother's voice doing the meditation at the end of the teaching. Oh, it's in her voice. Okay. Oh. Ooh, oh, yeah. The audio teaching is a recording of, of one of her public teachings. And every one of these were done years apart, Charlotte. That's the wild part. She put it, she told me which teachings to use and in what order to use them. And some of these had been done like six years apart, seven years apart. Wow. And it's yeah. time. Wow. I'm interested in the timing. Okay, I'll, I'll be sure to ask her that when she comes through. Um, real quickly, uh, what does it feel like with, uh, with her coming in? Are you, you're, I, as I explained, I, I say you're going into an altered state. Now, you're in a state of semi-sleep, correct? Well, I don't know that I'd even categorize it as that. As that. I feel like I just get smaller inside myself. I'm, I'm inside my body. Um, my consciousness sort of shrinks. And then she fills all that extra space, you know, inside of me. Um, and she wells up from inside of me as opposed to me feeling like something is coming from the outside in. Mm -hmm. She feels like she's welling up from the inside and filling the space that I, uh, that I give over. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. All right. So um, are, are you ready to go in and uh, – Bring Mother Mary through? I am. It just takes me um, a little around a minute. And so if everyone wants, if they can, uh, if they want to close their eyes and take really lovely deep breaths with us, um, she'll be back in just a moment. Okay. I'll, I'll guide them through it. All right, everyone, if you, if you just relax, close your eyes, 
connect to your breath. Breathe in deeply. Exhale. Relax. You can take your conscious awareness into the third eye. And Mother will come through when she's ready. Hello, Mother Mary. How are you? I am well, beloved. Thank you for asking me. And it is a great honor to be here with you and all those that are listening today. Mm. Mm. The honor is mine as well. Mm. It's lovely to hear your voice. Mother, I have a question for you. We had... My dearest, that I have an answer for you. Mm -hmm. I I hope so, too. Mother, it's been Mm -hmm. a tough week here in Orlando, Florida. We've experienced a lot Mm -hmm. of tragedy. A lot of people are very upset and grieving and uh, have lost loved ones in a massacre and several other tragedies. Mother, could you offer us some comfort with regard to these types of events and how we can move forward without being afraid? Mm -hmm. Yes. And I thank you for this question, beloved. And I would tell you to take heart because when these types of experiences occur, try to keep in mind that all are serving the collective, that what these people have involved themselves has been for you so that you can awaken to not only your own life, but the lives that you are connected to through the collective. When a tragedy of this proportion occurs, everyone feels it. And I would say that you are so fortunate to be able to feel, to be able to feel sadness or anger or fear or frustration This is your divinity as a human being, that you can feel that you are not uh, sterile and separate from these kinds of experiences, but that they impact your mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual bodies. And you always get the sense that even if you did not know these people personally, that somehow you are connected to them, that they are a part of your life, not just because you've heard about an incident, but on some level, they are a part of your life. And so you grieve. You grieve for them, their families. You grieve if you are open enough. You even grieve for the person who did the shooting. Yes. Someone would have such shadow in their life and inside their being that to do what they did 
was the answer for them. Somehow that was the answer for them. And there is a sadness to that. But this is a part of your collective. And to put labels on them just really um, is a way of coping of distancing yourself from someone who would do this, but really they are in your family too. You are all one, and what one person does affects the whole of the collective. And this is where you get to see and feel the power of one person's actions and how it impacts the entire collective on your planet. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense, ma'am. With regard to um, the victims, I I do work very hard to send light to the shooter, uh, knowing that he he probably needs that most of all. Uh, So I work hard on that. But I do understand that Experiencing that intense fear before death and then a sudden transition can be very traumatic for a soul. So my question is, um, I would like to believe and trust that there there are angels or entities or spirits that are collecting all these people together and helping them understand what happened and helping them transition and get settled on the other side. Uh, Could you speak to that, please? Is that what happens? Yes, beloved, but there are some that choose not to acknowledge uh, that those beings and that connection, and they have their own path, and that's all right. They are evolving and awakening as souls. And so what you can do, the individual, not just you, Charlotte, beloved, but all that listen to this uh, recording uh, or that are listening now, you can hold two things. You can hold the whole situation in light and love. Um, all the people that were somehow involved, those that raised the shooter, his uh, environmental um, upbringings, his uh, influences, and all the people that um, were affected Um, in that dynamic, the family members, um, the people that uh, worked there, uh, whomever was involved, you can hold them all in love and light. And you can ask yourself, can I allow myself to be one with this experience, with these people, all the people involved, can I acknowledge that I am indeed part of this collective? Because what can happen is that when we are talking spirituality and people are feeling good and they say, yes, we are all one, and then someone walks into a place and kills multiple people and all of a sudden you go from we to they. That person is a terrorist, he is a label. Let's take him out of the one and put him in a box or her in a box and in a jail cell and away, away, away. 
Do you understand? I do. But do do I have the courage inside of me? This is what you ask yourself. Do I have the courage inside of me to acknowledge my oneness with all that were involved? And that's where the healing takes place, my dear. When mm. you give light and love, regardless of who, to all involved, and you acknowledge that you are a part of all who were involved, that is where the healing takes place. Okay. That's beautiful. I also um, would like the listeners to get a broad scope, if you will, of how things lead up to this, because human beings are going to see the randomness, the seeming quote-unquote randomness of it. This, it's, it's overwhelmingly, quote, senseless. And yet, on some level, it serves purpose and, it, and it, there is sense to it and there is balance to a world that seems so chaotic. Um, can you speak to the idea that it took millions of moments to lead up to just this one moment from a broad perspective? Oh, yes, that is exactly how it works, beloved. There is so much that has to be arranged and put into place over a lifetime of all involved, a lifetime of moments that direct and lead and guide to this one moment. And it is not senseless. It is service. How else are you human beings going to take down the wall that divide you if you are unwilling to acknowledge that you truly are all one. And that's not conditional. You either believe you're one or you don't. And if you don't, that's where uh, the diving in comes. Yes? Yes. And the service, these are all ways that you get to wake up these moments they take you out of your normal everyday life and make you pick your head up and say what's going on here and that's a profound and provocative question what's going on here what is this for me what is this for us as a collective and how can I bring forgiveness and healing rather than separation to this situation. Hmm. I'm writing that down. (laughs) Okay. It's a matter of um, looking to unity rather than separation. Okay. to To base your spirituality on unity, no matter what, unity and how you can serve that unity, you as the individual. How can you serve the unity? Hmm? Hmm. Is there a way to keep that fresh in our minds without, you know, as we release, if, if, we, if we do what you're saying and embrace that unity um, and a- acknowledge our oneness with everyone, no matter what role they played, uh, like you said, employees, patrons, um, tourists, whatever role they played. Um, you know how, like, especially after 9-11, we were, we were all unified for quite a, quite a while. 
And then yes. life, it, it, it comes down to a complacency and life goes on for everybody, you know, and maybe even for the families of the victims. And I know that someday they'll, they'll be okay. But how do, what's a good way for us to not let go of that commitment to embracing that unity and just going back to normal everyday lives until the next incident happens? That's an excellent question, beloved. I thank you for asking it. And it really, it is at the heart of, your, of anyone's spiritual practice. Because when you cultivate a daily spiritual practice, when you carve out time to sit within self, to heal yourself of your own doubts, your own feelings of separation from yourself, the more you unify yourself, the easier it is to automatically or organically feel the unity you have with others. There's a saying in your culture, there but by the grace of God go I, meaning that, gee, if things were a little different in my life, that could have been me. And that's how you remember that you are connected to all the people in your life. And unity is a practice, just like gratitude and forgiveness, these is part of the spiritual practice. And as long as people need reminding that you are one, these incidences will happen. And not necessarily exactly like that, but uh, ways that people pick their head up and say, what's happening here? And there will, of all those people that pick their head up, There will be many who choose unity. Some will choose apathy, but many will choose unity. And all Mm -hmm. those people that choose unity, they are awakened, you see, a little bit more. And so the collective will always serve the collective. So as long as you need these types of awakenings, they will be provided. Okay. Very good. Mother, my next question is twofold and very important. I want my listeners to uh, hear it in your words. Uh, It's something that I do try to explain in many different ways, hoping that uh, I say it in a way that more people will connect with. Could you um, answer this question? The first half of the question is, do these events and even natural disasters, Mother, such as earthquakes, tsunamis, and the like, um, how they reflect the collective consciousness, and describe for the listeners how their individual attitudes, beliefs, thoughts, words, and actions add to the collective consciousness and add to what they're seeing outside of them that they don't like and that they deem negative. Did I phrase that correctly? Yes, but that is quite a large uh, question. So I will try to uh, answer it in a way that uh, makes good, solid sense. Okay. So, um, so first of all, you have the planet Earth, and she is um, Gaia, Mother Earth, all right? So 
she is her own entity. She is her own being. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And you live upon her. She is your home. But ultimately, she is in control of her home, right? She allows you to live upon her. And so the natural disasters, uh, some are simply the ways in which her energy works. But now more recently, through the poisoning of your home, you are artificially manipulating her energy, right? Now, she will only allow that to a certain extent. And if at some point the poisoning becomes so severe that it will actually poison her, then she will take steps to change that, to shift that, all right? But the collective is impacting these natural disasters, tragedies, um, somewhat. But the vast majority of what goes on in the natural world is because of her energy, Mother Earth. So it's a little bit like if you want to build your house in the middle of um, the Kenyan animal preserve, you have to recognize, you take responsibility that you are living with tigers, right? And um, if you choose to live on this planet, being subjected or a part of hurricanes, earthquakes, this is part of what you chose when you came as a human being. This is a natural, normal part of life. And the way that you as a collective have affected Mother Earth and her energies the most is through the poisoning of, um, of your home. Hmm. Not so much through the mental collective. Does that make sense? Because you don't really, you're not allowed that kind of power over Mother Earth. Okay. But you do have the choice of what you create, what you manufacture, what you purchase, what you use. And through those choices, you are affecting the natural world, cutting down all the trees, having lots and lots of children uh, so that the population grows and grows and grows. This is overall, it is a strong, strong wake-up example of living an unsustainable existence because you are still living from the outside in rather than the inside out. You are choosing quantity over quality. And you have mistaken quantity for fulfillment rather than quality as fulfillment. So that's how you are affecting the natural world. As far as the tragedies that are enacted by people on people or by people on the environment, that is what we were talking about just moments ago, that 
every time you are willing to choose love, you help impact the collective. Every time you're willing to choose forgiveness, you impact the collective. You, what happens is that you create more love that's now available to the collective. Isn't that wonderful? The mm-hmm. love is available exponentially based on your choices. But if you choose fear, then about the same amount that you're choosing is available to the collective. So mm-hmm. when we say that love is the answer, love saves the day, love is all, we mean it. That if you choose fear, it's pretty much one for one. If you choose love, it's like one for 1,000. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. So and the you- fear, you may be adding uh, fear to the collective, but not, as, not about as much as you're feeling or choosing. But okay. when you add love to the collective, it can be extraordinary, the effect it has on the world. Oh. And naturally, that would be very easy to tap into through prayer, meditation, and other activities? Correct. And my favorite activity, service, but not okay. servitude. Be very careful. Service comes from the joy of serving, that you give uh, in ways that you are not financially compensated necessarily. You give your time, your effort, sometimes your money, but it's more your participation where you go out and you teach reading because you just love the idea of more people knowing how to read, where you go out and you give your time and your effort because it feels good to do so, not because you expect anything in return. Servitude comes when you expect something in return where your motivation is to be liked or loved or to be perceived in a certain way. That is not sustainable and that will burn you out. But if you serve just because it feels so good to serve, then you feel like you could do it forever. You never run out of energy. You feel like this is just so wonderful. It's as if your service is a privilege that you get to participate in. And if other people benefit, fantastic. But it's really you are so filled when you serve. And I Mm. encourage everyone to serve in that way, to find something no matter how small, that they can give of themselves, they can step out of maybe their own difficulties, depression, tragedy, fears, and just focus on someone else or something else. And even if it's as simple as getting in the car and delivering meals to people who cannot leave their house, and saying, hello at the door, how are you, it's good to see you, going to the next house, one hour, two hours out of your week can make the difference between happiness and sadness. 
I um I I have an image in my head, so I have to describe it for the listeners. Um, um, what I do is I, I kind of tap into them, and sometimes I get questions or things come up for me to say that they need to hear. And what I'm getting is an image of walking through a park, just a simply taking a walk, noticing trash on the ground, and picking it up and putting it in a trash receptacle. That equals the type of giving or tapping into that love and, and connectedness that you're speaking of, Mother? Is that correct? I would say that that would be more, uh, unless you chose that as your service, that you go out to parks and pick things up, but that's a wonderful way to just make service a part of your daily, everyday life. Mm, okay. Yes? Yes. But I'm talking about a particular conscious effort to say, I'm just going to be of service. I'm not going to ask for anything in return. I'm just going to be of service. And it's going to be service that feels good, that is uh, empowering for me, that is in, in nurturing for me, that doesn't exhaust me, and that I can just get out of my own head for a while and just mm. be of service. Yes. And then when you do that, you are more likely when you take that walk through the park to be the one to pick up the trash and not just pretend that you didn't see it. Right. I discovered many years ago uh, if I was feeling down or sad uh, that if I got up and went and helped somebody else, I could pull myself out of it. So if anybody is dealing with depression or sadness, go help someone else. And would you like to speak to that, the the energetics of feeling down and then being of service and how that comes to you as you give, you receive. Correct. Because when you are down or depressed, and I'm not talking about severe, severe clinical depression or bipolar or things of that nature, but when you are depressed in the normal course of your life, which is completely normal, um, what is important is to recognize that depression is like a, a numbing. Um, it's when you feel emotionally you can't sit with what you're feeling or you don't want to acknowledge what's happening inside of you. You can create a numbness or a flatness. That is what depression tends to feel like for most people. So if you cannot focus on yourself, and here's where the magic of service comes from. You tend to just cycle in yourself, thinking, thinking these difficult thoughts or being down on yourself. And to step outside of all that and to say, I'm going to go take a break. I'm going to go to my um, charity that uh, teaches people to read or whatever. Uh, I'm going to teach a meditation class at a woman's shelter, whatever you want to do, and to find a place to do it. Then you get out of yourself. You, you interrupt that pain cycle that is going on inside of you. And you are walking through the doorway of love. You are choosing to support someone else, even in your own darkness. And what will happen is that comes back to you a hundredfold. And there's more love available. It's easier to see. It's easier to feel. 
And all of a sudden, what's at the heart of your depression isn't so scary to sit with, to acknowledge, to understand. Mm. Wow. And that's the phrase, service interrupts the pain cycle inside of you. I think a lot of get uh, very much um, out of that. Uh, Mother, you opened my eyes to something when you were speaking of Mother Earth. May I uh, touch back on that subject and ask a quick question? Of course, beloved. Okay. Um, as you were describing her, you know, as her own entity and that we live on her and she controls her own home, it made me see in a new way that we are guests in her home. So my question is, is there an energetic agreement between souls who choose to incarnate and come live on Mother Earth? Is there an agreement between the soul and Mother Earth? And does that contract fulfill itself when we die? Or is there a letting go of sorts? I've never thought of it this way. Absolutely, beloved. Really? You agree to come and to experience the life that is offered on Mother Earth, and she agrees to sustain that life from the natural world. Or she agrees to provide viruses, bacteria, uh, cancer, all kinds of things to help you uh, sunshine and rainbows and mountaintops and oceans and uh, dolphins and uh, all kinds, everything that you need to have the experiences you wish to have as a human being. That's the contract. But what got lost, what has gotten lost along the way, is uh, people have forgotten their side of the contract. So you are guests in her home. Um, And if you study ancient cultures, there were guest rites. Yes, have you heard of this? I have not. All right. It was uh, certain cultures had guest rights that they extended to the guest. So even if you were the enemy, right, and you came by yourself into the castle of your enemy, and uh-huh. they extended guest rights, everyone was at peace. And there were certain things exchanged, salt and bread, that were provided if you were to eat at their table, you were given guest rights. It was a a way of saying that while you are in my home, we are going to behave in a certain manner. I'm going to give you certain things and you are going to give me certain things. We're going to honor each other. And that was, of course, the original agreement that she would honor you and you would honor her. Human beings have gotten very busy and they feel very superior, that they are in control, that they are in charge, and that they can make or force things to happen. And so for many human beings, not all human beings, but many human beings, they have forgotten their part of the guest rights or their guest agreements that they're supposed to serve her as much as she serves them. Mm -hmm. So if you are interested in your planet, your home, your environment, you may just ask the simple question each day, 
what can I do to serve my host, Mother Earth, this extraordinary being that has provided my home, my livelihood, my sustenance, my shelter, everything that has provided all things in the physical world for me. How can I serve her today? Hmm? Hmm. Well, well, will the answer be individual to each person who asks that question? Will the answer come? Yes, it will. Yes, it will, beloved. And okay. the way the answer comes, this is the best part, uh-huh. the way the answer comes is that the individual just starts shifting certain behaviors or perceptions. And little by little, they begin to uh, turn more back to the natural world, to want to be more in alignment with the natural world. Because one of the great things that she does, and I would tell all your listeners to do this, no matter where you live, go out and lay down upon the earth and just feel what's there. You can feel her energy, her support, and what happens in your own system, your nervous system, your central nervous system is calibrated to respond to the natural world. And so you just calm down and decompress and worries and fears and stress melt away. Just try it. It could be part of your spiritual practice to lie down upon the earth or uh, sit back against a tree and just focus on the energy of the tree. Whatever, lie on the beach, but not just to get a suntan, but to just feel the earth beneath your body or float in the ocean and feel the earth with your body and feel what happens to your nervous system and you will begin to understand the agreement between the human being and Mother Earth. Hmm. That's, uh, you know, a lot of people are aware, we, we call it grounding techniques, but I've never heard it explained like that about the central nervous system being calibrated in such a way. Is it beneficial then, Mother, uh, when we suggest to others to imagine roots growing down out of our body, such as in my meditation class, I would have them imagine growing roots deep down into the earth to feel that connection? Yes, I use the same imagery, beloved, in my grounding meditations. It's a beautiful image, and it's one that is very helpful, Um, But the more you can feel Mother Earth in what I would say an attitude of service, Hmm. like you can feel how is she serving me in my central nervous system? How am I feeling? Gosh, I'm feeling better. I'm feeling calmer. So what can I do for Mother Earth today? What can I do for her? She gives so much. What can I give to her? Hmm? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, I when I even when I do those techniques and even though I'm sensitive to energy, um I I always imagined it as connecting to a planet, not a living entity. And when we when you say Mother Earth, it's like when I say your name, I was explaining to Danielle that 
um, with whatever conflicts I had with my mom, when I say your name or think of you, there there's no conflict. It is absolutely absent of conflict or fear or abandonment. But now, when you say Mother Earth, I feel the same way about her, too. Wonderful. Wonderful. What a shift. That is amazing. Mother, I wanted to ask you about your book. I have read it. It is absolutely wonderful. And I shared my experience with just reading the introduction with the audience. My question is, um, number one, um, the timing of the material and what's happening. And uh, there are other channels emerging, and most of them are finding their way to me, which is wonderful. <laughs> but um, but yeah. Danielle indicates that many of the teachings were years apart, and then you selected the teachings to put it all together in the material to present it now. May I ask about the timing of that and what is happening now that everybody, Jesus, you, Mary Magdalene, came and helped me one day. Isaiah from the Bible helped me. Um, it seems to be accelerated, the, our need for you, yeah. all of you, individually yeah. and collectively. What is happening in this time that this material from you, A Course in Miracles, and all that is, is coming to us? Well, it's quite wonderful, beloved, because you all are reaching that tipping point as a collective where you can see where your focus on quantity rather than quality has gotten you. Mm. And there are many, many, many people who are saying, um, I want quality because I feel empty. I'm working harder than ever. I don't feel fulfilled, even though they might be doing something that they once loved to do very much. But there is um, a beautiful love revolution going on. But it's a love revolution that is based on the inner knowing of one's own power. And I don't mean that from superiority, but I mean that from responsibility. Mm -hmm. And taking uh, an understanding that you do affect the world and the people around you, and they are affecting you. And everyone is starting to say, hey, wait a minute. Mm, let's look more closely at how we affect each other and um, the Internet has broken down so many barriers. Some people get lost in it and use it uh, as um, uh, another thing, another ism, another obsession. But many people are connecting all over the world, and you all are starting to understand what has been taught in most spiritual circles for a long time that regardless of race, culture, religion, skin color, body type, body size, gender, there is an enormous amount of common ground between you. And you are finding that more and more. So you're not just becoming a global economy, you are becoming a global society and all that that means, it's a coming together in a way that the human race has not done before. This is new. It is, you're all pioneers in a way and it's very exciting. 
because people are not, um, some people are still wanting bigger houses, but many are saying, I want more simplicity. I want quality, quality, quality. I'm tired of what I have to do to keep up and manage the quantity. I want to be able to just lie down on the earth and soak it in. I want to be able to go on sabbatical for a month with my family. Um, These are all things that people are turning away from the quantity machine as it feels like. Quantity feels very sterile and um, a lot of struggle involved. Whereas quality is just right here. It's right here in your heart. It's in your breath. It's in the moment. And we are all here to encourage, to support that shift. First, from quantity to quality and on a global scale, and then living from the inside out rather than as you most of you do now from the outside in. Mm-hmm. Mm. As you say in your book, in the in Chapter 3, entitled Simplicity, you say uh, you are choosing your own fulfillment, you are choosing life, you are choosing love, you are choosing peace in that simplicity. Yes. And that's where the quality is. That's where the fulfillment is. That's where you get to stop, to pause and say, hmm, What feels right to me? Where is my inner compass pointing me? Um, What feels simple? What feels loving? What feels solid? Um, And you all, and when I say all, I mean all. You are all reevaluating what that means. And I'll tell you something else since we are on the subject of global Shifts. Okay. Here's one one of my favorite shifts, which is why Divine Mother is becoming more and more prominent in your world. You are slowly but surely moving towards gender equality and all that that means. And when that happens, when you reach gender equality, there's a tipping point on your globe. Because it doesn't mean that every single person has to feel gender equality, but there's a tipping point within the collective. And when you reach that tipping point from a place of love, equality through love, war will be a thing of the past. That would be a very welcome change. I think I can speak for everyone when I say we're all very tired. Yes, energetically, does the war happening, even though it's happening in another country, but energetically, whether people watch TV or not about it, just the fact that that war is in fact taking place, does that deplete our energy around the world? Oh, yes, beloved. Absolutely. It impacts the collective dramatically. Mm, Of course. It's a larger example of the war you wage within yourself. Exactly. Mm -hmm. When you find peace within yourself, 
you will no longer need to engage with the wars on the outside. Mm. So you will not be as affected. Your energy will not be as drained. Well, I won't ask when that is going to happen, but I'll look forward to it as it unfolds. Uh, Mother, many, many people come to my show and tune in to gain an understanding and some self-awareness and inner peace. Um, So I'm happy that you started the book out talking about the dark Lord of the soul. And as I read the words, I I started to cry. And I Mm. believe it was out of self-pity because I felt the resounding thought in my head was, I feel like I've gone through that four times in my life, not just one. Or maybe it was extended. Um, For those who are really hurting and struggling and feel alone. Um, I know you speak to being alone. Could you say a little something about the dark night of the soul that would inspire people to hang in there and not do anything permanent or destroy themselves? Yes, beloved. Recognize that if you feel you are in a dark night of the soul, no matter how big or small it feels, it doesn't matter. It's very real to you. And what I would encourage you to do If you're listening, you're doing the very thing that I'm going to encourage you to do, and that is to get support, to keep getting inspired. And more than anything, as I talk about in the book, trust yourself. The dark night of the soul is an extraordinary time of growth. Extraordinary. Please trust it. And don't leave before the miracle happens, because it will happen. It will pass if you continue to seek support, if you continue to seek inspiration, and most importantly, if you can accept that you're in the dark night of the soul, and if you can allow it to be okay that you're in it, you will move through it more quickly. It's when you fight it, when you try to deny it, or medicate yourself out of it unless that's appropriate. If you ignore it and do everything you can not to focus inside yourself, then you will prolong it. But if you accept it and you recognize it's a natural part of life, if you sit with it and just feel what's there for you, get support, allow yourself to be inspired, It will pass. I promise you, it will pass. Don't leave before the miracle, beloved one, because you are loved. You are loved and you are cared for in the dark night of the soul. Something is supporting you, holding that space for extraordinary growth and awakening. That's wonderful. Mother, um, I don't know if I'll have another opportunity to speak with you, um, but can I can I ask if uh, you would be interested in coming back to the show and teaching some more on a regular basis? I don't know what the plan is, and I, I don't oh, know that I'll have another opportunity to ask. I will always come when I'm called, and I know that Danielle would be happy to do it, as would I, my love. So if you wish it, we will make it so. Hmm? Wow. Okay. And um, can I ask? I'm not. I'm not normally curious about detail. I don't. I'm. I laugh at myself with this. Um, I 
when I was 13, I was walking down the street uh, singing, and I saw a spirit leaning against a tree, smiling at me, mm-hmm. and I looked, and I said, hello, and kept right on going. Didn't think to stop and ask his name, why he was looking at me, why he was smiling, how old he was, nothing. I just kept right on going, and I seem to have maintained that because I got um, – I, I know you know who I talked to, and I got some serious information about my lifetime in the time of Jesus when I was a farmer, but I keep forgetting to ask what my name was. Do you happen to know that, the answer to that question? Yes. Aaron. Oh, my God. Oh, sorry. Aaron, A-A-R-O-N? Correct. That explains why I've been so drawn to that name. And when I was a little girl, I told Danielle that it felt like I missed you. That's the only way I can describe the emotion. Mm-hmm. Did did we have a connection in that lifetime, which is why I feel a, like a, a, pronounced, a profound sadness sometimes when I think of you? Our connection in that lifetime was very peripheral. Um, there was no deep personal connection. Mm-hmm. But what you feel when you're missing me this is your connection to Divine Mother, beloved. Oh. You are mine, just as much as you are Jesus's. Hmm? Yes. And uh, for you, I am the other half of the equation, so to speak. And so what you feel is that longing to be one with Divine Mother, that you know that I'm always there, supporting you and loving you. And so that is where the sadness comes from, the missing. It's not the human, uh, my last lifetime as the mother of Jesus. That um, is not the missing. It is the divine uh, missing or yearning, longing. Does that make sense? It does make sense. But I need to clarify, and, and even for myself, when you say divine mother, um, I hope I don't sound – I'm not going to worry about how I sound. When you say Divine Mother, Good. this is an entity separate from you, Mother Mary, Mother of Jesus? No, not really. So, all right, just a quick overview of how energy and entity works, all right? Yes, okay. In the larger scheme of things, you have the – Uh, masculine and feminine energy of creation. But Mm -hmm. the overall energy of creation is genderless, right? It is not opposite. But this particular, um, this and other realities are based on uh, yin and yang, masculine, feminine, black and white, good and evil, right? There is... um, the two sides of the same coin. And this is what your reality is based on, right? So my evolution, so there is sort of at the top of things, there is divine mother and there is uh, eternal or um, uh, father, right? So you have these uh, two aspects of the energy and all the higher energies or entities are a part of that collective. So I have evolved to the point of being a very 
large or great aspect of Divine Mother for this reality, but I can and still have the ability to individuate, to use terms like I, and I can claim my last physical lifetime as Mother Mary, even though I am so far beyond that. I am much, much greater than that. So imagine that Daniel channeling me is like trying to put an ocean in a thimble. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Does that help to... So when I say Divine Mother, there are other entities that are a part of that, Kuan Yin, Saraswati, Isis, they're all the different mythology and Christianity, um, Muslim faith, Jewish faith, there are all these entities that have evolved beyond the human cycle, but still serve humanity. Okay. So you're saying that uh, Kuan Yin, Isis, these are, as you say, aspects of the Divine Mother energy? Because they evolve beyond a human, okay. Um, If you could answer a question that has been bothering me. Some people come up to me and tell me that they are an aspect of various people. Um, One is Mary Magdalene, and one is an aspect of, uh, name whoever you want. Does it work that way, that the human has an evolved aspect within them connected to that aspect, which is an aspect of the Divine Mother? Well, I would say that it's more as if, like uh, you are connected to Jesus, we could say that he is your higher self or the very best um, expression of your being, that you are uh, in this life deeply connected to him. And so uh, an aspect of him does dwell within you. Uh, but that is not a claim to superiority. Does that make sense? Certainly. It's just, and it's the same for Danielle. We have evolved to the point or integrated, that's probably a better word, integrated to the point that a part of me is always dwelling within her. But again, that is not from a place of superiority. It is simply because she has allowed that to occur. She has made space within her life so that I can dwell more closely and our energies can be more in alignment. And it serves the work that we do together here. But um, she is not uh, and never was Mother Mary. Okay. You understand? Okay. I do, and it answers so, a thousand questions I could never articulate. Um, so, it's so similar to you too. Jesus is is there's an aspect of him that dwells, and that's where I get that connection. And and you said he's sort of like a higher self to me, and that yes. aspect is what keeps us in alignment. And yes. that, oh my God, that really answers a thousand questions that and I never thought just to so ask. You, 
also understand that Mary Magdalene, or she that was known by that name, also achieved the same level of awakening that I did myself, and that was her last lifetime. She has never come back to the human cycle. She, like myself, has served and has evolved and is an aspect of Divine Mother, but her, I love her presence. It is so wonderful. Her presence is more deeply rooted in the ancient traditions of goddess. That's oh. uh, what you might call her um, her nuance or yes. uh, the facets of her energy are much more alignment with the aspect of Divine Mother that is known as goddess. And so that is a whole different kind of energy um, a lot of similarities between us, but a lot of differences so that we can serve people in different ways, in a more well-rounded way. Does that make sense? Yes. Wow. She came to me once. After I read mm. her book, I met her channel and um, had her on the air. She's a wonderful girl. And mm. um, uh, we had, I understand that we'll be connecting very soon. Uh, but someone sent me a compliment so large that it made me cry, and I didn't know what to do with mm-hmm. myself. And I, I said, oh, I, Mary Magdalene, okay, are you there? And she showed up, and she taught me more about myself in five questions than I, had, than I probably learned in five years after analyzing and dissecting my own pain. And she's wonderful, mm-hmm. and you're right. It, I, when you say the word goddess, it's perfect, and I can feel her. It's beautiful. Yes. Wow. Yes. You have taught so much in this one session. And I, I, is there anything you would like to add, Mother? I feel this is complete, the transmission yes. and, and the teachings. But if there's anything you'd like to complete or add, I want to give you that opportunity. And One last would, thing. Okay. One last thing. I want to tell you, beloved Charlotte, that I love you. And I want to thank you for the service that you do in all your life from the moment you came to this moment. I honor you and I cherish you, beloved. Always remember that. Hmm? Thank you for that. You are welcome, my daughter. And now I will go. Hmm? Okay. I will talk to you soon, I guess. Yes, indeed. What happens? Does Daniel wake up? Okay, namaste, Mother Mary. She will come back. Hmm? Okay, thank you. Mm. My God. Hey, honey. Hi. Oh, sweetheart, I'm hugging you. I'm giving you a big, giant hug right now. Thank you. Mm. Give me a sec- second. I can get it together. <laughs> okay. 
Okay, I'm back. Got it together. And I, I hope I hope your listeners know how extraordinarily fortunate they are to have someone who lives and is on the air with such clarity and vulnerability and honesty. And uh, I think you're awesome, sweetheart. I do. Thank you. And um, we talked about you. Did you hear us? I did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. I didn't know what to do. I know. Well, it looks like we'll be coming back. So I guess you you and I will have to chat about that later and uh, figure out when that's going to happen. But I'm excited. (laughs) It's great. I was sitting there like, do I do it? Do I do it? And I was like, I'm doing it. And and then I was. I was relieved when she said, and Danielle would be happy to. I was like, oh, good. <laughs> so, yeah, you're booked, honey. <laughs> and and then we'll have, we have that other project to discuss. So, yeah, I would love to work yeah. with you. Um, this was right. miraculous. Um, it was so helpful about the tragedies. I hope everyone is feeling better. Oh, my God, I, got, I finally remembered to ask someone what my name was in that lifetime, and it makes total sense. Because there was, a, there was a kid in my class that I was fascin- absolutely fascinated with in first grade, and his name was Stephen Ara, A-A-R-A-A. So the double oh A's God. intrigued me. And then when I, wow. anytime I met someone named Aaron, it was like, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron. So that's, that's always know. fun. But, but the, to explain the, the Divine Mother aspect, because I've been pretending to understand that I – or pretending to understand what that means, so I kind of got over yeah. myself and asked flat out what what does that mean she explained the aspects i have like i don't know five pages of notes here wait till do you, do you often go back and listen to the recording sometimes i do yeah okay uh it was really good i touched on the book in a couple parts i i thought she'd enjoy touching on those things um i i think if you i will send you an mp3 now this i know this segment is much longer than a normal segment might be, but that it generally goes that way when it's someone's first time on the air. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so don't think that we'll, I'll, I would expect two hours out of you every time. It, it's not the case. We, we can be very effective now that we've learned all about you and the book. We right. can go right to whatever it is that needs to be discussed for that day, but I'll talk to you off yeah. air about that. I hope you had a good time with me. I had a great time with you. Thank you so much for having me on your show, honey. It was just awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. I I can't even add to this, so I'm going to end it here, and here's how I do it, Danielle. All right, everyone. On behalf of Danielle, Mother Mary, Jesus, and everyone involved in the process of this radio show, this is their show, not mine. Until next time, God bless and be at peace. Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Today, Bridget Griffin shared a video of her daily yoga routine, two self-help articles, and her new blog called Build Your Inner Bridge with Bridge. Girl, your sharing has turned into oversharing. No worries, Bridge. Geico has some info worth sharing with your seven blog followers, like how you could save money on your car insurance, update your policy, and report a claim just by visiting geico.com. How's that for building your inner bridge? Bridge, Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.